0: I'll say it again. Good morning. morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Glad your kids could be with us. I'm really excited about what I'm going to call part two of a little mini series that I started. Uh, I began with uh, three weeks ago. Uh, if you have been with us or have you listened online, you will know that that message was entitled "A Garden." a well and a table, and I was talking about our calling, God's calling us into being culture creators. And so that was the message. And I hope you have a chance to listen to that because I really believe that what God has given us in the garden was a mandate, a very, very important mandate that we are to participate with God in creating good culture. That's our job. That's our role. And we get to enjoy uh, joining with Him and every garden needs water. So I moved from Genesis 1 and 2 to John chapter 4 and talked about the woman at the well and how we water. And uh, as we uh, spread the water, there's growth. And then I talked about Matthew chapter 9 with Matthew and his friends gathered with Jesus and his disciples at a table. And that's what you do after you grow things in a garden is you sit and enjoy uh, the, the benefits or the fruit of your labor. And so it's really a farm-to-table kind of mindset or theology that I think um, the Bible is describing. I think one day in the future there will be uh, no no uh, chairs but tables because I think the picture, possibly, the picture is that we gather together around food to talk about the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you to listen to that. But how does all that begin? Where does it all begin? Where's our kind of our calling and the challenge to step into becoming culture creators begin? Well, I want to look at the life of Moses. And in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we have the story of how Moses was called to go back to Egypt to deliver the people out of slavery. Moses was called and he was challenged to take the lead in pulling people out of a bad situation. To deliver them and send them to the promised land. Well, God asks Moses essentially kind of three questions. I'm turning these statements into questions, and it's the same three, four, excuse me, four questions that he asks all of us. God is challenging and calling us to become good leaders. I think this world needs good leaders, don't you? I think at every level of society and culture, we are crying out for leadership right now. We are we are needing we need leadership, good leadership. What's happening in our country? What's happening in Great Britain? What's happening around the world? There is just a tremendous need, I think, for godly leaders in all levels of society. Whether it's you're in home or whether it's in work or on the field or even in the community, there is a, a, a deep need. And so this kind of relates to all of us. And so we have this experience, this this encounter that Moses has with God. And I want to talk about that and ask four questions. And the four questions are, will you come close? What is in your hand? Will you throw it down? And will you pick it back up? Because when Moses meets God at the burning bush, Moses' life changes. And I think that's what burning bush experiences do. So let's read the passage. If you have uh, your bulletin with you, or if you have your phone, it's also on the Bible app. Uh, if you go down to the hamburger and choose location or events, you'll find uh, the scriptures actually in your Bible app for this particular service. But for those of you who have either a Bible or your phone, or you have your bulletin, let's look at it together. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It's also known as Mount Sinai. There the angel of the Lord appeared in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on, not, was on fire, but it was not burning up. So, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, and why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him, from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. What we know in the rest of chapter three, though it's not printed in your outline, is that after this encounter at the burning bush, God gets Moses' attention. And then he calls him to go back to Egypt to deliver the people from slavery. And Moses has this conversation with God. Why me? Are you sure you got the right person? I'm not qualified. I don't speak well. I don't think I'm your man. So all of that transpires in chapter 3, and then we pick up the story in chapter 4, and here we see Moses answers after all this dialogue has happened between God and Moses. Well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you, did he? Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand, Moses? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So so Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord Is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Leadership, what does it really take? I mean, when God calls us and challenges us to become leaders in our own developing good culture, what does it really take? And I've learned four things from this passage from the life of Moses. And they're really the questions that we all have to ask. And the first one is, will you come close? Now let's take a look at this a little bit closer because in this particular case, Moses is out and he's pasturing the flock of Jethro, the father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he's leading the flock and he now is on the west side of the wilderness. He comes to Horeb. So he's on the southern tip of the Sinai Peninsula. And he's kind of moving out of the normal area in which... Uh, shepherds would be shep- shepherding their flock and looking for new pasture, and so he's pushed on, and he's really at the base of Mount Sinai, a place that Joseph, uh, Joseph uh, Flavius Josephus says is not the place typically you want to be. It's the mountain of God. People were fearful of that place. There was a sense that that's where God kind of God lived, so to speak. And it wasn't your normal place that you'd go. People kind of feared that. And yet Moses was out just looking for better land. And here he finds himself there, and he sees this burning bush, this extraordinarily strange thing happening, the blaze from the, bu- the midst of the bush, and it's not igniting, which you would typically see it igniting, right? If, if a, a bush was on fire in the middle of the desert, it's because it's just so hot, it just it burst into flames and was consumed. Or there was something else, a phenomenon known as St. Elmo's fire, which is a, kind of a, a gap in the electrical charge and maybe after a storm. And, 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 uh, and you see a glow, but it's not really a fire. But it looks like something's on fire because there's a glow. And it was neither of those. It was actually a bush on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And Moses saw that, and he observed it. And he came close. And what we learn in this passage is as he came close, he encounters God. Because there's this conversation, the Lord sees that Moses turns aside, and we know that the Lord appears in a voice, and it's the angel of the Lord, which is, I believe, Jesus, pre incarnate, speaking. The mediator, the one who can bring us into relationship with God is the one who is speaking from the bush, now mediating between God and Moses, calling them into service. And so here at this burning bush, we discover that Moses is going to be called. And he says, here I am. Tells him not to come any further, but to take off his shoes. And once he does, he's standing on holy ground, and God says, I am the Lord your God the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look at God. And then God has this conversation and says, surely I have heard the cry of the people of Egypt. This is the first time the people of Egypt have cried out for God's help. 400 years, they finally cry out for God's help. And God sends a deliverer, Moses, and calls him. So it's really about a calling. Now the word calling, it's interesting, Uh, calling is, you know, from its Latin derivative or vocatio, is the idea of summons, to be summoned, or uh, to find one's vocation, or really one's voice. It's about finding your purpose. And what I find very, very important in this question, will you come close, is that within the encounter that Moses has with God, he's going to get his calling from God. An encounter with God produces a calling from God. See, a lot of people are searching for God. Moses, as you see, is, was not really searching for God. For 40 years, he was tending sheep. He grew up in Egypt for the first 40 of his year, years of his life. He grew up in Egypt in, in Pharaoh's palace. He knew he was a Hebrew, and he saw the plight of the Hebrews and 400 years of slavery and he had about, had about enough of it. And he decided to take matters in his own hand as we know the story, and he slays one of the Egyptian taskmasters who is beating one of the Hebrew slaves and kills him, buries him in the sand, but the word gets out and Moses has to leave. And he runs, basically runs away. He's now a fugitive. He has failed He feels like he's been disowned, and he really wonders what's going to happen next. He marries. He's now settling in 40 years. You can imagine settling in in 40 years, and he's now a shepherd. And yet, out of this experience, God is calling him. This encounter produces a calling on his life, and I think the same thing is true for us if we're willing to come close. When there's a burning bush experience in your life, God is calling you. A lot of people are searching for God. But I think the way people search for God today is that they go out and look for a God that they are looking for, not necessarily the God that really is. It's, it's on their terms. They're looking for God to do something for them, to kind of help them in their life. There's a lot of people out searching like that. And that when they find that God, they're finding a God that really matches and meets their criteria that's going to help them better their life. We know it's a true encounter, first of all, because Moses wasn't searching for God. God was searching for Moses. God is the one who initiated and found Moses. The second thing is, is that in this encounter, Moses doesn't get, like, a better life. He gets a purpose for his life. And that's the difference. When you have a true encounter with God, you're going to get your calling. You're going to hear. You're going to understand more clearly what it is that God has called you to do. Have you had one of those encounters? Have you had a burning bush experience? There's a story of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Dr. Martin Martin Lloyd-Jones, a a, a Welsh pastor, pastor, uh, but actually he was a physician before he was a pastor. And when he was a a physician, he had an experience. One of his mentors, another physician, had married and his wife died suddenly. And he watched this man's life kind of deteriorate and fall apart. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones would explain that this was kind of a burning bush experience for him. He didn't put it in those terms, but here's what he had to say about what he observed in the life of his friend. He said, I saw the utter vanity of all human greatness... I saw the utter vanity of it, and it led him to an epiphany. Maybe my life is meant for something more than caring for people's hearts, their bodies, but for their souls. And so in this burning bush experience that Martin Lloyd-Jones had, he found a greater purpose for his life. didn't mean that God could not have used him as a doctor, by the way. We learned that in the Genesis account, that God calls us as doctors and lawyers and teachers, and coaches, and moms and dads, and all sorts of other business people, finance, investment. We find people in all areas of society that have been given a call, but, but it's a specific call to find a purpose within what you do. Does that make sense? Finding what it is you do, why do you do what you do? It has a greater purpose. But for Jones, it meant a career change. What I find about this uh, story and about Moses here is how reluctant Moses really is because there's a series of questions. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? It says in chapter three that I should bring the sons of Israel. Uh, certainly I will, not be, uh, 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 I will be with you and this will be the sign to you, but Moses continues to say, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, but I don't know what to say to them. I'm not very good at my own speech. I, I'm not the right person. And and, and Moses' reluctance actually makes him a better leader. I've found that reluctant leaders are far better. Why? Because they're not necessarily seeking out the limelight. They're being led into it. Well, I don't know, but if that's really my call, I'll step into it. I'll do what you're asking me to do, God, but I don't think I'm really well prepared. That's the best kind of a leader, actually. In fact. If you think about it, Moses was in the best profession to get his call, wasn't he? Shepherding. Um, Philo was the one who talked about how shepherds were actually, they they made good kings. And Philo has a comment about that. Uh, He says, uh, the business of a shepherd is preparation for the office of a king. It's most certainly true for Moses. It was true for David and most certainly was true for Jesus. Jesus called himself a shepherd. Maybe in, the, in the, the life and day of a shepherd, you really learn some leadership principles about shepherding people and how to care for people because that's what leadership is all about. It's influencing others to do what they wouldn't normally do on their own. That's what leadership is. And so Moses is in a very, very good position, though he doesn't realize it. And he is called. And he hears the call in the encounter. Something happened that was different and out of the ordinary. And the question is, have you had one of those experiences? I was reading a a book by, um, by Jonathan Hirsch, who wrote a book on the life of David, and he also wrote a book on the life of Moses. And he's a uh, LA Times columnist. He wrote this many years ago, back in the 90s. And I finally pulled it off my shelf and read it. And it's a great, great read. And and I think it describes Moses really well. And, And he sets the scene of Moses shepherding for 40 years. And one day is very much like the other, he says, for a shepherd. Like nomadic herdsmen in lands and of all ages. Must have marked passage of time by subtle observation and calculation, the height of the sun in the sky at midday, the distance traveled between sunrise and sunset, the sound and speed of water that rushed through a wadi after a cloud burst and disappeared into the rocky soils, the primal rhythms of the life of life stretched out endless, endlessly into the future for a pastoral a pastoral nomad each day each season season each year is measured out in precisely the same way day after day until the day of his death except one day god appears in a burning bush and everything changes it's something out of the ordinary it's something that happens in your life and oh my goodness it's happened a moment some clarity maybe something you read maybe a conversation maybe through an illness maybe through Something that's happened to you or somebody else you know. Maybe it's a walk or a journey or a season, but somehow God gets your attention. My son in law last night at dinner was asking me, Well, have you had one of those? And I said, Yeah, I remember. I remember a season of my life. I was in college and I was studying the book of Romans with uh, this group of. uh, we were all part of Crew, the ministry, uh, campus ministry, uh, uh, the UC Berkeley campus. And they were living in this house. These, all these guys were living, uh, renting this house together. So we would all pile in there and have this Bible study. And we were talking through Romans. And I was reading back over some of the passages we had already studied and went to Romans chapter 1. And the conversation was going on and discussion and everybody was waxing eloquently. And, and, and all of a sudden, all the, the sounds just kind of got muffled. And I read, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, calls an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And I thought, and I had this, this sense, that's a calling on my life. I, at that moment, I sensed this burning bush kind of encounter that kind of shook me. Like, I think that's happening in my life. Called for the gospel of God. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know something has just changed in me. It was a burning bush experience. And I remember it just kind of drove me. Peter Drucker, getting back to this idea of being reluctant, says basic component to lead comes from realizing how unimportant you really are at the task. Huh, that's interesting. You really are not the most important thing. Because, because what Moses is going to experience next is a series of three questions that moves from his calling to a challenge. It's now a challenge of his leadership. A call to leadership and now a challenge. And there's three questions. What's in your hand? Will you throw it down? Will you pick it back up? And each one of them reveals something about leadership, about being reluctant, about being the person that really is unimportant in the task. But God has called you to do it, so you do it. So what do we learn from those three things? Let's take a look at it. First of all, what is in your hand? Well, Moses says a staff, clearly a staff, a shepherd's crook. It was, had lots of uses, we know that, for prodding, for grabbing, for searching, even searching for snakes or grass or lost sheep in the, in, in the tall grass or the weeds. It, but it represented something else. And I think, I wonder if Moses looked at it when God asked him, he says, well, it's, it's what I do. It's what I do best. It's the thing in my hand that I know that's the thing I do best because I'm a shepherd and I I use a staff. And I carry this staff and it represents everything I do well. The thing you do well, I lead sheep. It's what I do. It's an honest assessment of how God has made you, the passions he's given you, the desires he's given you. Frederick Buechner is a great writer, and he said, the place God calls you to is the place your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. See, it's your passion. You're really good at that. You're good at encouraging people. You're a great teacher. You're a great leader. You understand this. You can help others, but you need to take, first of all, a good assessment of it. I remember when I was in college, The things that I realized about myself, I love to learn. Whatever I do the rest of my life, it's got to be about learning. Because I love to learn. And I love to learn new things. I just want to keep learning. I like to try new things. It's just who I am. I love to explore. I love adventure. I like to maximize life. That's really what I'm all about, is maximizing life. The idea of, of uh retiring and sitting on a beach or, you know, I just can't, I can't imagine that. It just doesn't fit within my mindset of what, how God has made me. But I also know truly when I was in college, what I really believed about myself is that I cared deeply about introducing people to God. That's what I wanted to do the rest of my life is introduce people to God. And I got good at it in college. And I, and I was in a fraternity and I I had a lot of conversations with my fraternity brothers about God. What is in your hand? What do you do good? What, is, what do you do really, really good? What's, what's, what, what are your talents? What are your gifts? And then the second question here under challenge is, will you throw it down? See, the test of any leader or person called by God is, is, is really, are they willing to give back to God what they've been given? See, we've got to be willing to give it back. See, God can only make us useful and make it useful when he has complete control of it, when he manages it. It's this utter dependence that God wants us to have on him. God can do a better job with what you have and what I have been given if we surrender it to him. I love the story, Uh, Katie, as you share just your desire and your uh, your relationship with the Moffitt School and how you got involved there as a person, as an individual, and donating and giving your time and, and working with the principal and, 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 and now being challenged to kind of open that up a little bit and say, well, maybe others can join me, but that's not easy because we know programs are neat, people are messy, and it's difficult. People won't show up or they won't do what they're asked to do or no one will volunteer, all these things. And yet we find in leadership, when we find our calling, is it's not just about me, it's about others. It's about bringing others along to give them the same passion and desire and dreams that we have so that they can carry on. The, schools, uh, the school will carry on way beyond you and maybe through younger people that follow after you. And uh, are we willing to throw it down? Are we willing to give it back to the Lord and see what God's going to do? And then the final question is, will you pick it up? But what I find so important in this passage is that God asks Moses to pick up not a rod but a snake. Do you notice that? The rod becomes a snake. Why does it become a snake? I mean, the, the rod was to protect the sheep from danger. A snake is danger. Why would he turn what it is that is uh, a sign of how he is to do his, his uh, uh, a task and turn it into something dangerous? Why does, it, why does it change? And why is he supposed to pick it up not by the head but by the tail? You never pick up a snake by the, by the head. You pick it up by the tail, right? Because it's going to turn around and bite you. So it's something dangerous. It's something risky it's something different and that's when i began to think about leadership and what i've always thought about leadership is that leadership is done from the front it's done from a microphone it's done from a position of authority it's done from a, it's been done it's it's done from a title you lead people from your position of up front but what I'm learning is, if we are to pick it up by the tail, we're supposed to do it differently. And what I'm realizing now is maybe it's done from the other side, from behind, from the back of the row, of the back of the room, rather than the front of the room. I was on this, this overnight, well, three, day, three days away, uh, with my brother up in, up in Idaho. And he gathered, gathers these men, and they fly fish and golf and, and mountain bike and do all sorts of things. And I haven't been able to go, and he's done it in several years. And I was finally able to go this year, and I went, and I showed up, and I kind of had one of these little mini panic attacks. Like, what am I going to do for three days? I've got so much to do back home. I, You know, the fall's starting, I think I need to get home. And, uh, and I wondered, kind of, what's my role here? How, am I going to be productive? Do I play, have any role to play with in this environment? And I, I was kind of working through. I had this angst about kind of what I was supposed to do and why I was there. And Uh, It was uh, during a walk, um, the second day that I was there, that I really felt like the Lord gave me clarity because I was kind of arguing with the Lord, like, you know, this isn't a good use of my time. Why am I here? And then the Lord kind of gave me this impression. And I don't know how I got it, but I got it. He says, you've been leading from the front. You need to learn how to lead from the back. It's exactly what I heard. It was so clear. Learning to lead from the back is learning how to encourage other people, how to influence others, how to get close enough to encourage them in their ministry and in their walk, rather than just simply speak out and lead from a, a microphone or a pulpit. And I was thinking this in light of you know, so many areas of my life, parenting, Parenting has really changed for me. Grown children, married, one with a child. And so the emphatic statements, you must do this or to get these results doesn't work anymore. It's now more listening, supporting, being available when needed. It's no longer the lectures. It's really changed. And I'm learning that really I'm leading from the back not the front anymore. And I'm kind of coaching, encouraging, and being available. In pastoring, it's asking questions like, how can I make you successful in your role? What is it that God has called you to do? How can I help you? What do you need to feel supported? Just thinking in light of Denise and And uh, my wife, who's just stepped into a new role as leading a a, a rather large women's Bible study midweek. And rather than how does she help me, it's asking the question, what can I do to make you a great woman's Bible teacher? Tell me what God's saying to you. How can I help? And I'm learning that leading is far more about leading from the back than it is from the front. It's about influencing people. Uh, I've been thinking this about the church as well. Last week, we had a church consultant, and we're working through our, with our staff, and we're planning the vision and values of our church. We're going to talk about that next week and the way forward and kind of what's my role in all of this. And, and what I'm realizing, even in, as we look forward to the future, uh, my role is going to be more from the back than the front. Now, I'll continue to teach and be part of leadership. There's no question. And guiding and, and directing. But more of what I will do that's effective will be helping others. And so this is a big learning for me. This is a huge, huge lesson. I think it's, it's showing us and demonstrating that God is calling us into a different style of leadership maybe than we thought. Leaders are important. We need them. God calls them and challenges them through an encounter. Have you had one of those? Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask you, in light of this passage, to, um, to bring to mind, maybe, some of this is probably a bringing to mind of a moment of clarity that we've had where you've done something truly amazing in our lives. That you have spoken to us, that we've had this encounter, something wild has happened, and uh, and it's opened our minds up to a new reality of how to see what it is that you've given us to do. Uh, A burning bush, and maybe for some of us, we're wondering. I don't think I've really had that clarity. I've never really had that kind of an encounter. Well, maybe it's time. And maybe, God, you are uh, preparing and, and you're, you're working the soil in our lives to prepare us for uh, one of those experiences. But I know we can ask. And when you, we, when you, when you present yourself, we want to come close and say, Here I am. Here I am. And so this morning, we cry out, Here we are. Here we are. I'm ready. I want to listen. I want what you want.